Well, welcome today. Are you glad to be here? Amen, amen. I heard Bascom down here. Amen. John, congratulations on your anniversary. I tell you, that is a feat. 45 years? Yeah, come in saying another one bites the dust. No, not, not you. All right. <laughs> Hang in there, brother. Oh, what a wonderful group. Y'all look so good today and a wonderful crowd. And if you got your Bible there, the book of 1 Peter, we are in chapter 4. How will you spend the rest of your life? Well, that's a deep question to ponder. You know, time is a interesting thing. I went to Kenya a few years ago, and when I went to Kenya, got off the plane there in Nairobi, and traveled for a ways, and went to Brackenhurst Seminary. When I got to the seminary, I, I told our group leader, I said, uh, man, I'm sticking with you. Scared to death. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I was in this strange foreign country. Went to the first meeting where our group got together. One of the missionaries said, you are in Africa now. And you are in East Africa, in Kenya. And he said, reach down, take off your watch, and throw it away. <laughs> what he was saying is that time is relative here. So the first time I went to a church, you know, I'm used to things starting though, 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 10.30. I said, uh, what time does church start? They said, when everybody shows up. <laughs> so I waited and waited and finally, I saw a lady come down the middle aisle with a drum and she was beating a drum and I said, well, I guess things are starting now. <laughs> you know, time is something we have that once it's gone, it's gone. When we burned it, we can't get it back. And so, God has given us so much time on this earth. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 as we begin. I know we had part of this last week, but I couldn't cut it off, so i got to put this back together again, so we're going to try to do verses 1 through 11 today. But let's read verses 1 through 2 in chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Now, in verse number 2, if you could pull out of verse 2 just these words, 
the rest of the time. The rest of the time. Now, I don't care how old you are, if you are 58, or if you are 68, or 78, or 88, you have just so much time left. God knows the birth date, and God knows the death date in your life. God knows that. One thing I found in my ministry is that caskets come in all sizes. They really do. And so we never know how much time we've got left on this earth. Now, I don't want to be depressing about that because I believe that if you're a child of God, you're going to step out of this world into eternal life. I believe that. Now, perhaps Peter wrote so much about time because he was concerned about the end of time in his life. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. You remember how that Jesus said, Peter, one day they're going to take you and they're going to bind you up and take you out to a place that you don't want to go talking about his death. So perhaps Peter with this in mind, he's writing here about being conscious about the days, the hours, the minutes that we have left in life. I want you to take your Bible, hold your spot there in 1 Peter, but look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Mike Hicks, you got that over there? Yeah, read that for us, please. Making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Yeah. The Bible says there we are to make the most of every opportunity. In other words, we are to seize the time. We are to be good stewards of the time God has given us. Uh, we are to, one translation says, Redeem the time. What does the word redeem mean? Well, it means to buy something back. Years ago, um, I'm going to date myself, but uh, my mama used to collect these things called green stamps. Anybody ever do that? Man, I licked a bunch of them. Alright, you lick them, put them on there. And green stamps. And then she would go in and she could redeem those for something that she didn't need. <laughs> you know, they had just certain things you could get. I don't know how many, what were they? Osterizer blenders that she had and I mean, can openers. But she was thrilled that she could redeem these green stamps for something. Now, you and I are to buy back the time. We are to redeem the time for Christ. And that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 5. Now, Peter, if you take 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11, Peter gives us four attitudes 
that we are to have in our lives as we consider the rest of our time. Alright, first of all, in the rest of our time, we are to have a militant attitude towards sin. A warlike attitude towards sin. Now, we read 1 and 2. Look at verse number 3. Now, verse 3 is a long list of different kinds of sins, but here's what it says. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Sounds like a frat party, doesn't it? <clears throat> so, Peter mentions all these different sins. He says, the time is past that you've done all that nonsense. And so he's saying, you need to have a warlike attitude. You need to declare war on that sin in your life. Now, I don't care who you are today. There's something in your life that you struggle with. It may be anger. It may be lust. It may be a stubborn attitude. There's something in your life that you struggle with. And so, Peter is saying, declare war on that. Now, back in verse number 1, back in verse number 1, you find this phrase, arm yourself. Peter is saying, you've got to have the weapons of warfare. The Word of God. Breastplate of righteousness. You've got to have these things in your life so that you can declare war on sin. There's power in fellowship. Man, look around you today. There are people praying for you and cheering you on and encouraging you. And so, Peter's saying, arm yourself. Isn't it amazing that we get used to sin pretty quick? I tell you, when I look at America today, I'm amazed at how fast we have gone down the slope. We are so accustomed today to going the wrong way, we have quickly become used to sin. I remember not too long ago, went to a restaurant. It's one of these restaurants where about 5 o'clock they start turning down the lights. I hate those restaurants. You know, I, I want to be able to see a menu. I get my phone out and, you know, kind of shine it on there so I can see the menu. <laughs> you know, I want to say, hey, lady, do you have a cigarette lighter? I'd like to. I want to smoke. I want to see the menu. And so they, they dim those lights. But you know what I figured out? If you stare at that menu long enough, into the darkness, pretty soon your eyes get accustomed to that. And that's the way sin is. If, if we stare at it long enough, if we live in it long enough, we become accustomed to that kind of lifestyle. Now, Peter presents some arguments here. He says in verse number 1, think about what sin did to Jesus. The Bible says in verse 1, he has suffered in the flesh. 
When you and I are tempted to sin, look at the cross. Look at Calvary and see what sin did to Jesus. Um, I heard years ago a preacher talking about Charles Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon, the great preacher, was preaching about the horror of sin. And he said, Would anyone who had your child killed by a knife frame that knife, put it over the mantle, and display it for everyone to see? He said, no, you wouldn't do that. He said, you would bury that knife in the deepest part of the sea, never to be seen again. And he said, how can we take our sin that nailed Christ to a cross and flaunt it and display it before a lost world? So, we need to remember what sin did to Jesus. Second argument, we need to enjoy the will of God. Look at verse number 2. Verse 2 says, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Man, don't you enjoy getting up in the morning and not having to regret what you did the night before? Don't you enjoy having a freedom in your life? You know, when you miss church on Sunday... Don't you feel bad? I mean, when, when you kind of you know, say, well, no one will miss me today. I'll just kind of sleep in today. Well, you, you know, you just kind of, you don't feel right all week long. And so, we can enjoy the will of God if, if we are living the Christian life in its fullness. Psalm chapter 33, verse 11, says this, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart from generation to generation. Oh man, God shows me His plan, shows me His goodness when I try to live in His will. Well, Peter has a third argument. Remember what you were before you met Christ. And that's verse 3. Now, your sin may not be in verse 3, but I can get you guilty. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in need of redemption. I was watching uh, some football teams yesterday. Man, I looked at one after one. I said, man, that, that team needs something. They need a fix. They need a new coach. They, yeah, you know what makes great teams not better coaches, better players does. Yeah. You and I, sometimes we look at somebody else's Christian life and, and, and we say, boy, they need a fix. You know, we've got a blind spot towards our life. We may not be guilty in verse 3, but there's something else that we are guilty of. And so, for the rest of your time, however many years God gives you, have a warlike, militant attitude towards sin. I tell you, I'm just pretty determined. When I'm, when I'm in a fight, boy, I like to win it. You can ask my wife up there. I hate to lose. I hate to lose. I had two fights in high school. 
I won one and lost the other. I remember being a freshman in high school. I, I was a freshman just uh, first day of school. Sitting right behind me was a guy named Donnie Lopp. Lopp was his last name. L-O-P-P. Donnie just hauled off and slugged me, hit me in the back. No reason, just, just thought he'd hit me. So I thought, okay, so I picked up a desk and hit him with a desk. <laughs> you know, it was those small little, little you know, desks they had. I picked up a desk and clobbered him with it. Never had any trouble out of Donnie Lop after that. No, you don't want to fight a crazy man, do you? <laughs> now, my second fight didn't work out so well. I was about a junior in high school and had baseball practice. And after baseball practice, I saw a big old guy named Victor beating up on a smaller, little scrawny kid. I walked out there, I said, Hey, Victor, why don't you leave him alone? Well, he did. <laughs> he came after me, that's right. I'll tell you what Victor did. He, he picked me up, he turned me upside down, and he power dropped me two or three times on the pavement. Now, when I woke up, I mean, it, it was several minutes later, I woke up and I thought, boy, it's a strange time to take a nap. <laughs> so that one didn't work out too well. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to your warlike attitude towards sin, you're not going to win every day. You're not. You're going to have some days where you're going to sing victory in Jesus. And you're going to have other days. You're going to sing the tumult over the river. I mean, it's, it's going to be depressing. But every single day, strap on the armor. Get the sword of the Spirit. Pray. Persevere. Hang in there. Have a warlike attitude. Got to move on. Number two. Number two, for the rest of your time, have a patient attitude toward the lost. Now you find this in verses 4 through 6. Let me read these verses 4 through 6. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. So as you look at 4 through 6, unsaved people will not understand the radical change that you've had in your life. They won't understand. But we need to have a patient attitude towards those who are lost. In fact, verse number 6 says that even those who have died have had the Gospel preached to them. Not everyone that we share with is going to accept Christ. They're not. 
I said years ago, and I think this is true. Now listen to this. It takes about ten touches for someone to come to Christ. Somebody calls them. Somebody prays for them. Somebody speaks to them. Someone sends a card. Someone sends an email. Someone sends a text. But hardly ever does anyone come to Christ just because of one person. A lot of people. You know, someone prayed for me before I came to Christ. Someone loved me before I came to Christ. And so, we need to have a patient attitude towards those who are lost. Now look over to 2 Peter. Now find the book of 2 Peter. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. Now listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You know why the Lord doesn't come today? Because He's patient. The Lord is patient toward the lost. And so for the rest of our time, we need to be patient. I've got a friend of mine, his name is Sammy Bolware. Sammy was in the Navy. One time Sammy was chewing someone out while he was in the Navy for his lifestyle. Sammy was on this submarine and the captain, whatever, of the ship came over there and hit Sammy upside the head and said, who called you to be the Holy Spirit? I thought about that. I can plant a seed, but the Holy Spirit has to draw someone. And you and I can share until we are blue in the face, but no one ever comes to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And if they do, they didn't get saved if they came without the Holy Spirit. And so you and I need to have this long, patient, suffering attitude towards those who are lost. Alright, let me move on. Number three. For the remainder of your time, you need to have an expectant attitude toward Christ. And that's found back in verse number 7. Look at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now, Peter believed that Christ was going to come in his lifetime. Peter really believed that. Peter believed that any day Christ was going to come. Now, the second coming did not happen during Peter's lifetime but he lived like it. The second coming of Christ may not come in our lifetime, but we need to live like it. We need to live like it every single day that this may be the day that He will come. There was an expectancy, there was a joy, a thrill, that Jesus could appear at any time. Now, some of the guys, and I, I turned on TV this morning, I heard a guy on TV talking about the end times. And I thought to myself, I said, man, that guy throw me into a panic. I mean, 
It wasn't comforting. It wasn't joyful. It was kind of scary. The second coming of Christ is called the blessed hope. And it's called that for a reason. I mean, you and I are waiting for the King to come. We are waiting for the Lord to come. And He's going to snatch us out of this world. And so, we need to have this joyful, expectant attitude toward the coming of the Lord. I, I like the old hymn, Because He Lives. Man, He holds the future, doesn't He? He does. He holds the future. Alright, let me give you the last one. Number four. Fourth and last, for the rest of your time, have a fervent attitude toward the saints. And that's verses 8 through 11, but look, look just at verse, verse number 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. What does that word fervent mean? Well, it means a fiery, passionate love for the brethren. I love the story, you might have heard it. About a 70-year-old couple, they're driving down the road. Been married about 50 years, got married when they were 20. This couple, 70 years of age, driving down the road. He's driving his big Crown Victorian. <laughs> Anybody in here got a Crown Vic? Alright, it used to be the car of choice. But anyway, driving this big old Crown Vic, and they zoom around and they pass a younger couple, and they're driving down the road, and it looks like one person in the car. I mean, this young couple, she's all snuggled up to him, and you know, he's got his arm, he can't hardly drive for, you know, hugging her and squeezing her up to him. The older couple passed the car, and the older lady looks over at her husband, says, why aren't we like that anymore? Say, we used to be like that. You know, we used to drive down the road and, you know, we're snuggled up like this. And so the husband looks over at his wife over there on the other side of the car and says, guess who moved? <laughs> That's right, guess who moved? He's still in the driver's seat and she's hugging the doorknob over there. Now, that ain't fervent love, alright? But we need to have a fervent, hot, flaming love for the brethren. Man, I, I don't always have to like you, but I've got to love you. It doesn't mean you have to like everything that goes on in the church, but you've got to love one another. Now, to show that love, look at verse number 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Oh, you've got to be hospitable and not gripe about it. Oh, yeah, I'll love Him if I have to. No, don't, don't complain. And then we find verse 10 and 11. Verse 10, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the 
utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter wraps up, wraps up this section and says that you and I are to be loving, hospitable to one another because the end of the time is approaching. By the way, verse number 9, there is a spiritual gift of hospitality. Now, I don't necessarily have that, but I love folks that do. You can have me over any time, alright? I, I love folks that do, because you walk into their house, and I mean, they're waiting on your hand and foot, they're bringing you cake and coffee, and you know, that, that's a gift. And it was a very important gift in the first century because there wasn't a Hampton Inn on every corner, alright? You had to stay with folks. Well, how will you live the rest of your time? Only God knows how many days, how many years, how many hours, how many minutes we have in life. Let me tell you a story and I'll, I'll close with this. In 1955, a lady went to a jewelry store. 1955 in Henrietta, Oklahoma. Ramona Humphreys. <laughs> My mama. Before I was thought of, she went to a jewelry store. It was the first Christmas that her and her husband, Richard Humphreys, my dad, were married. She told the jewelry store owner, she said, I want to buy the best watch I can buy for my husband. So he looked there in the case and he said, lady, how much money you got? <laughs> she said, well, this is what I had. And he said, well, I've got a, an old bull of a watch here. And I'll be glad to sell that to you for what you got. So she bought the watch, gave it to her husband on that first Christmas in 1955. Now I came along about three years later, 1958. My father passed away several years ago. And my mom said, Something I want you to have. And I said, no, I don't want anything. She said, no, I want you to have this. I want you to have your dad's watch that I bought for him in 1955, that first Christmas. And I have it on today. And there it is. Beautiful watch. Still tells good time. But I'll tell you something about this watch. You have to wind it. <laughs> so last night I pulled it out and, and I wound it. And then this morning I thought, well, I'd better wind it just a couple more times. Make sure, you know, it doesn't stop during, you know, church today. So I wound it a couple more times. Something else about this watch, I can hold it up to my ear and I can actually hear it ticking. 
Oh, the, the analogy is not hard to figure out. And God, when He put us together, He wound us up to last so long in this world. And God knew how long to wind the stem of your life. And God knows when it's going to stop. And you and I, just like a watch that we used to wind, we've got so much time before we stop. Paul would say these words, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For the rest of your life, I hope that's true with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Father, bless as we try to live for You the rest of our time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.